Welcome to your best riding life. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Your best riding life is associated with the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held each year in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. And every week on this podcast, you're going to receive tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I am extremely glad that you're here listening today. Today, our topic, how to use Pinterest and Instagram. My industry expert, Edie Melson. Her core message is find your voice, live your story. The Right Conversation is Edie's blog, and it reaches thousands and has consistently been named a Writer's Digest Top 100 Sites for Writers. As the author of numerous award-winning books, she's quick to remind those she meets about the practical and personal applications of God's infinite love. It's always a pleasure to have you here, Edie. And it is always a joy to be here. Well, those of you that are first-time listeners, please... When you finish with the podcast, be sure to take a look at our show notes and you'll find there the links to our guest, our Facebook link, which is Your Best Writing Life. It's Your Best Writing Life group page or the group. Sorry, we want you to go there. And you'll also find this month's Writing Tips and Soul Care for Writers download link. Edie, you've been on before, and we've talked about you being a master lace maker, which I thought was just absolutely fabulous. Well, then I also happen to know that you were on a television show, so I want you to uh, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, Back in the dark ages of TV, before HGTV and DIY TV and all of those, there was something known as PBS. And on PBS were home improvement shows. And one of those was called Al Carroll's Super Handyman. And he used to have me on regularly to teach people how to hang wallpaper. (laughs) A wallpaper hanger. I love this. How did you get that gig? Well, I was actually an interior designer. My degree is in interior design. And I uh, was working in Dallas. And the place where I was working, I I actually showed people how to hang wallpaper. And then um, I eventually opened my own business, Hanging Wallpaper. I was doing that when I got pregnant with our first child and the doctor made me quit. (laughs) (laughs) He said, quit hanging around here. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's just, what a fun fact. That's a fun fact. And um, just to know that, I mean, I'm trying to envision you. I've seen you in a lot of different um, (laughs) situations. I've seen you on stage. I've seen you teaching and I'm like, and seeing her, Putting wallpaper up. Yeah, I could probably see that. I, I'd love to see your choices of wallpaper as well. well. Because you do have an eye for design. And that leads us directly into one of the reasons why you are an expert in this field. And I know that you have studied and you've taught on social media. But we're going to look at two particular social media platforms or networks. And we're going to focus on how to use Pinterest and Instagram. And so first off, let's let's focus on Pinterest. 
and for those that are listening, and, and I know that there may be some that are listening and they have never even looked at Pinterest. So if you could take a moment, Edie, and share with us, what exactly is Pinterest? Pinterest is actually the largest visual search engine on the internet. It is actually a visual search engine. If you think about it, a lot of people use it. Uh, a lot of moms use it to get ideas for children's parties. Or I know when we were planning um, the baby showers for my daughter's-in-law, uh, the the people who were, were planning those would put would set up boards or uh, bulletin their virtual bulletin boards with ideas for these baby showers. Uh, you can find recipes on there. What people don't know is how valuable it is for writers and for authors because. On Pinterest, the culture is what's known as a click-through culture. So when people go to a pin and they see something they like, they are conditioned to click through to the website, either to get directions to use that pin or to buy something or whatever. So if you put a link to a book or to uh, any kind of content, people are 60% more likely to click through to that content than on any other social media network. Now that is fabulous. It really I, is. I've not, I've not thought of Pinterest as being, and I like the phrase that you use, that this is a click-through cult culture and they're conditioned. How, how many times, I mean, I know on some other social media, you know, like on Facebook or, or you're wanting them. Oh, come on. Just someone click through. Or if you send out a newsletter, are they going to click through on it? So there's a lot of other avenues that we can utilize to reach our audiences. But setting your stuff up in a platform or on a search engine where everyone is conditioned, and I'm doing those little air quotes here, <laughs> yes. are conditioned to click through, how could we not be using that? Exactly. And it is very underutilized by authors uh, because a lot of authors don't realize it. They think of it as a place where uh, stay-at-home moms hang out and plan crafts and birthday parties. But it is so much more than that. And if you'll notice, if you're on Pinterest, then you see that all the big brands have a significant presence on Pinterest. I mean, you can't go on Pinterest without seeing the Target ad or without seeing something from Nike or any number of things, because those those companies know the value in this culture that is Pinterest. Let me ask you a question. I'm on Pinterest. I have some fun boards that pique my interest, but I've never really focused on how as a writer or as an author, how do I build that platform? Like, do you title the board the name of your book? Is there a secret to that? What, how do writers utilize Pinterest? Pinterest is a search engine. So you want to, whether you're creating a pin or a board or your Pinterest account, 
you want to make sure that you're using terms that are searchable and terms that are searched frequently. So when I am setting up my Pinterest account, I want to use my name because I want my name recognition. But then in my bio, I'm going to make sure that I use terms like creative because a lot of my books have to do with creativity and faith. So I'm going to use those terms. I'm going to use terms about photography because I do a lot of photography. All of these different things. So when I create my bio, I want it to be full of things that people would search for so that my bio will come up. And then when I am creating boards, I want to create boards that people will search for. I don't want to necessarily create a board that has a clever title that nobody searches for. So like if I'm doing a board, I'm going to do social media tips for writers. That's a great board title. So you want to make sure that that is searchable. And then when I'm creating a pen, I'm going to use a description that has that. Now, you can also utilize hashtags on Pinterest everywhere except your bio. If you put a hashtag in your bio, it won't show up in a hashtag search. But if you Can you put a link in your bio? Yes, yes, you can put a link in your bio. But when you're doing a description of your board, you want to use hashtags there. When you're doing a description of your pen, you want to use hashtags there. So you keep in mind that people are searching for things and you want your content to be searchable. Now, the other side of Pinterest is you want to be seen as someone who uses Pinterest regularly. About 10% of my content is generated from my own stuff. So like it might be a blog post from The Right Conversation or I might put a pin up about my book or about a conference or something like that. But the other 90%, I am just repinning things that I find valuable or interesting. Pinterest is the ultimate show don't tell as far as getting to know an author or a writer. If you go to my Pinterest account, you will see all kinds of diverse boards. I have boards on dandelions, on macro photography. I have boards on typewriters, uh, on the color teal. I have boards on writing tips, on bullet journaling, all of these different boards, creativity, quotes, things like that. I have about 50 boards. And so basically each one of these boards is a potential connection point with a reader. So let's say somebody is searching, is on Pinterest and they like dandelions and they pin something that I have pinned. It's not something that I created. It's just another pin that I pinned. And they see that, oh, Edie Melson put this pin up here. She must like dandelions like I do. So she goes to my Pinterest account and suddenly, boom, there's that connection point. Mm, okay. Now, you blew me away at 50 boards. I didn't put them all up at once. This is several years of doing. All right. Now, because that's a question I'd like us to sit and soak in for just a second. 
you have people that they have nothing on Pinterest. Yes. Do they go and create 10 boards straight off if they have if they have content for them? Do does that overload Pinterest with them? Well, not all of my boards have content that is generated by me. Like I have a board that is called Fall Fun because autumn is my favorite time of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay, on that board, there is exactly one pin that is my original content. The rest of the 800 plus pins on there are pins that are content from other people. That you have placed on there. Yes, that, that I you have, have added to your board. Yes, I have repinned is actually the technical term. Repinned, okay. But people love to go to that board and see my content. So that gives me that connection point with them. And I get click-throughs to my website, to my books, to my photography from people who visit my boards. The way that they click through is you have placed a URL in the description? Well, if I'm repinning, it's already there. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay. doing anything. All I'm doing is saying, I like this pin and I'm putting it on my board. That's all I do. I'm not, I'm not touching the description. I'm not touching anything. I'm just putting it on my board. If I am generating a, a pen, if I am creating a pen, then I'm going to put the link to whatever of my content makes the most sense. If it's a blog post about social media, it'll either go to the right conversation or it'll go to uh, your best writing life podcast or to the Blue Ridge Conference, whatever it is. But I'm going to fill in all of those blanks and then other people will repin that. Right. And then when it when you see read more or link yep. or whatever and you click on it and it's someone else who's already now been repinned like 20 times someplace else, they don't know you, but it's going to take them to your company. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Okay. Writers can utilize Pinterest to grow their platforms by creating the boards, by pinning content to the boards by repinning others content. And I like that, again, you're doing the same type of thing. You are really focusing on other people and what they have done. And it really kind of lifts up other people because you're saying, I like what you've done by repinning onto your boards. And so if only 10% is my content, I'm using a lot of other content that's already there, but it's causing a stir. It's causing motion and activity. Yes, absolutely. Right? It definitely is. Okay. So let's consider they have personal Pinterest accounts and there's also professional Pinterest accounts. Yes. As writers, you need a professional Pinterest account. Now, you do not want to open up a new Pinterest account, a new professional one, if you already have one. What you want to do is you want to do something called converting your personal account to a business account. So you want okay. to convert it. And to be able to convert it, the only requirement is that you have a website or a blog. It can be a free blog, a blogger blog. It can be, but you have to have a site on the internet. Okay. How do we find out how to do that? Okay. What you do is you go to your settings 
and then you click on account settings and you scroll all the way to the bottom and it gives you the option to convert to a business account. Okay. So you do not want to open a new account. You want to convert it. Now, would you change the name of your account? Only if it's if you're not it? only if it's not your name. All of your social media should have your name. Good. And you had mentioned earlier with the boards that it's if I'm if I'm gleaning this correctly, you can title your board something cutesy, but if it's not what someone is searching for, it almost remains invisible. Yes. So let's say I had a board that was all about vegetarian recipes. Okay. okay. I'm going to want the title of that board to have the word vegetarian recipe in it. I'm not going to want it to be best recipes on the internet because gotcha. I'm missing that whole segment of the audience that is searching for vegetarian recipes. This is good. This is a lot of information. And folks, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that you have the information in our show notes on how you can find and do and accomplish everything that we're talking about. So we'll have that there for you. You can take notes if you want to, and not all of that is good, but we're going to take care of you in the show notes as well. All right, let's jump over to Instagram. I know that Instagram is also a visual network, isn't it? Yes, it is. There are there are two types of networks, basically, social media networks. There are social media networks that were created to be text-driven and social media networks that were image-driven, okay? Now, that said... Even the text-driven networks like Twitter and Facebook are now you have to include images for your content to be noticed. But on Instagram and Pinterest, they were actually created for the images to be front and center and the text to amplify what the images are. So that's what we mean when we say they are an image-driven network or a visual network. Okay. How do we utilize Instagram? I love Instagram. Uh, Instagram, you should know, is owned by Facebook. So a lot of the Facebook rules are sort of migrating over to Instagram. So keep that in mind. But the most important thing on Instagram is the visual, that picture that you see, that image that you see in the newsfeed. It needs to be eye-catching in some way. Uh, it could be eye-catching because it's a beautiful image. It could be eye-catching because it has uh, graphic elements and the words are catching. It could be eye-catching because it's funny. Um, also now there's something called Reels which is basically short videos. Um, think something similar to the network of TikTok, okay? So that that is also an option, but they're all visually driven. Now, that said, 
every image, when you post an image or when you see an image on Instagram, it has a caption. In other words, it has text that goes along with it. And that caption is very important, um, particularly the first two lines of any caption, because after that, you get the read more tab tag on it. So your first couple of lines of your caption need to be um, something that will make people want to read more and land longer on the image that you have put up. And one of the ways that you do that is you make sure that you use emojis in those first two lines. If you go to my Instagram account, you will notice that I always have a title of whatever the image is, and it's set off by emojis that are appropriate. If it's a sunrise picture that I'm sharing, then I may have an emoji with a sun or with a camera or with a heart or something like that. But that is very, uh, all of the studies show that there are more clicks if you have those emojis included in those first two lines of your caption. So with the emojis, are they just right there on the screen so they're available? Well, are, are they inside Instagram? With Instagram, you can only post to Instagram if you are on a mobile device or if you have tricked Instagram into thinking that you're using your that your computer is a mobile device. And so if you think about it, on a mobile device, when you are texting, when you're using the keyboard, there are emojis right there. So you can't just post to Instagram from your computer. Okay, so you're going to have to use your your phone, your... your tablet, uh, yeah, some tablet. mobile device. And then on Instagram, hashtags are very important also. So I utilize, per post, I utilize around 20 to 25 hashtags per post. And what you want to make sure is that the hashtags that you're using pertain to what you are posting. In other words, I'm an author, but if I'm not posting something about being an author, I'm not going to use the hashtag author. I'm going to use a hashtag that pertains to what I'm posting. And you can search for hashtags on Instagram. And then what I do is I keep a list of the hashtags that I like to use in my notes app on my phone. And then I can just copy and paste those into the caption of whatever image I'm posting on Instagram. Now help me I do, unpack I do the that. Same. <laughs> yeah, I do the I do the same thing. I do that because I know that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just being real here, folks. But I use notes all the time because they transfer through to all of my different devices. So I can actually create hashtag listings in my notes from my Mac. And then when I'm on my iPad or my phone, I can pull them up. I've already got them separated into 
the what I have as image topics. So if it's on photography, because I put some of my photography out there as well, then I will go to that designation. And I already know that in one cluster, I don't have more than 25 of the hashtags. And I may even have that separated out a little bit different for if it's a particular, like if it's flowers or if it's this. And then I also do it for inspiration. Yeah. And so whatever, but, but I do have to research it. And I know that you have kind of a rule of thumb that you don't necessarily want to include a hashtag that has 25 million posts connected to it. Right. I try to find hashtags that are that vary in popularity. So I'm going to use hashtags that maybe have several thousand people who are using them up to um, one or two million. And the reason for that is because if I use a hashtag that has several million people who are using it, my one little Instagram post is less likely to show up in a search because a lot of times those searches are based on popularity and how many likes they get. But I want a wide variety but I want the majority of my hashtags to fall in that middle area, which is like 10,000 popularity up to about 90,000. Okay. And when you search for them, folks, when you search for the hashtags dealing with your, like if you put in photography, then a lot of hashtags are going to come up. Yes. And you're going to be able to see quickly how popular each one. And then you'll, you'll kind of get an idea to that as well. Well, and another thing that I like to do is I like to tag other accounts. Okay. A hashtag is a number sign. Tagging somebody, you use the at sign. So like if I took sunrise pictures when I was at the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference, then I am also going to tag the Ridgecrest Conference Center so that they can see that I took a picture on their property. Or like if I go to the Biltmore, I am going to tag them in a picture that I may have taken at the Biltmore. And the reason I do that is, number one, it's a courtesy. Number two, there are a lot of people who are searching for pictures taken at Biltmore or at Ridgecrest. And number three, because I've actually gotten pictures picked up by these big accounts and for them to repost them. Like uh, I have a, I have a photograph that is actually used in some of the Biltmore marketing material because they saw it on Instagram and bought the picture. Wow. Woo. <laughs> That's a that's not a bad thing, folks. Nope, it's whatever not. it is that we're doing. I like because you use the word; it's a courtesy. And I also tag when I'm referencing something that someone else has shared with me, or that I know I have in common with another entity on Instagram. Yes, I and love it. What it does, I love it when you tag me on your photographs, Linda. 
because you uh-huh. have been in some of my photography workshops. And so I love seeing how you've taken some of that information and now you have not only applied it, but you've run with it and you're doing new and different and amazing things. So that's a good thing. One thing you don't want to do, and Linda, you have never done this, is you don't want to tag somebody just to try to piggyback on their platform. So in other words, Mm -hmm. if there's a famous writer and I have a book that's in the same genre, I'm not going to tag them unless I'm promoting their book. Right. We don't need to do that, folks. Again, that's kind of lifting ourselves up and we don't we don't want to do that. It's just not good etiquette. Yeah, and it's icky. And it will make it will make people angry and you will lose followers. And who wants that? No. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. That's that's not why we're in the business. Not why we're in the business. Now, did you talk about stories? No. Or how the importance of stories. And then if you would, too, let's also be sure that we cover Instagram Live. Okay. Uh, Stories are really great things. A story is if you go to Instagram, the stories are at the top of your newsfeed. They're little circles. And it. um, if I have put up a story, then you will see my little circle at the top of your Instagram feed. And you say, well, what good is that? Okay, Instagram is like Facebook. You don't see everything that all the people you're following post. Instagram decides what you get to see based on what you interact with and what is popular. But stories show up no matter what. They're at the top. So the most recent stories of the people and accounts you are following will show up. So if you keep something in your story regularly, then your content is going to be more visible. Now, stories only last for 24 hours. After 24 hours, they disappear unless you move them to a highlight. And that is something you can do. You can save your story as a highlight And then it's there forever. But it's not a highlight won't show up at the top of a news feed, but it will show up if somebody clicks on your account. So stories are really good for that. They they bring your content front and center. The other thing is reels on Instagram. And reels are like videos. They're short videos. Some of them are longer videos. And it is a way to put a a video. There are all kinds of videos. There are how-to videos as far as bullet journaling or cooking or anything you can imagine. And there are some reels that are just entertaining. Maybe people lip syncing or doing funny dances. Or there are reels that are uh, information generated. So there's three ways that you can do Instagram. You can do Instagram reels, Instagram stories, and then your posts in Instagram. And the reels are when I said the Instagram live, that's their word for that is a reels. So yes, if you want, if you feel like doing a little video, something, something, a little good morning inspiration, whatever you want to do, that's a good source. And talking about sources. The source that we have for everybody where they can get this information and more 
is available in one of your newest books. It's Social Media for Today's Writers, and it was written by Edie Melson and Diane Mills. This is what I consider a quick guide to social media, and it has what you've covered and more for Instagram and Pinterest. It's excellent, excellent resource for our listeners today. You have um, an offering for them. And I think that you said that you're going to do the kind of like the best practices. Yes, best practices for Pinterest. And then we'll also have some extra information about Instagram and best practices for the culture of Instagram. Because Edie is just that person. (laughs) When you ask her something, she will not just answer yes. It will be yes. And this is how. And this is how not. And, uh, you know, on occasion, she might say, what were you thinking? Um, <laughs> but but she does it in a very endearing way. So, Edie Melson, is there anything that you enjoy the most about this time of year? I enjoy going to the mountains and seeing the rhododendrons have turned and the dogwoods are blossoming. I love mm. to hike because it's not... It's not too hot yet, um, but it is beautiful. Everything is just beginning to to bud out, and the mountains are the Blue Ridge Mountains are absolutely gorgeous. <sighs> I love it when I have the opportunity to be there, and I look forward to that. We're not too far away from the next Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference, and so I'll have the opportunity to be there with you. That'll be coming up in May and looking forward to the possibility of having a lot of our listenership there as well. We'll see what God does with all of this this year. We'll have all of that information, too, in the show notes. You can find out more about Edie at ediemelson.com. We'll have all those links there. Edie Melson, thank you so much for being here with me today. I have absolutely loved it. I love hanging out with all y'all. And we do. We thank you, friends, for joining us. We thank you. Please take a moment to subscribe to Your Best Writing Life. Share it with some friends that are in or even considering the writing arena. We'd love to have them join us. And we'd love to be able to get more reviews out there. It really helps other people decide, do they want to take the time? Because time is precious. Time is precious. Your words are precious. What you have to say matters. It matters as much as what you have to write. So we want to hear from you. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you here next time on Your Best Writing Life.